Welcome to another edition of Charters Unleashed. Jake Efner and special guest Ryan Dyroot here from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy AG1 or a Mint Mobile and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Ryan Dyroot filling in for one Dan Wolkenstein once again this week. How are you, sir? Happy Friday. I am excellent. Good to be here, Jake, as always. I got my own nameplate this time. I know my own placard officially, Ryan. So um, always a pleasure joining you. And uh, welcome to all of our uh, Mightier 1090 ESPN radio listeners. So have a good day uh, on your commute. But excited, you know, as excited as we can be, I guess, to talk some some Chargers football, seeing how the season's gone. But always good to see your beautiful face, Mr. Hefner. Thank you, sir. And Dan, and for those wondering, Dan Wolkenstein is currently in transit as it stands right now, wanted to come on the show today. Unfortunately, we just weren't able to make this schedule work because I know that he has a lot of thoughts as it relates to this Chargers and uh, Chiefs upcoming matchup this weekend. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the show earlier this week, as I said, Dan Walkenstein has probably in the most feelings that he has ever had since we have been doing this show for the past three and a half years. And Jake, I, um, think, uh, I think it looked like Dan had gone to the dark side. He's gone to the other realm of Chargers fandom. It's finally come joined on, you. Come on over, man. Like the, like the Doors song. Come on over to the dark side. Mm. <laughs> or or no, I'm sorry, not the dark side. Come on over to the other side. Excuse the me. other side. <laughs> well, both, I guess. They're both relevant. Wh- whichever. Yes, it's all relevant as it relates to the Chargers mindset as far as its fans goes, their mindset right now. But obviously, we want to get into this um, upcoming preview of the game and a lot of storylines to that go into this as it relates to both teams. Uh, The Chargers coming fresh off of just a really tough loss against the Dallas Cowboys now have to travel on the road to Kansas City where it's never easy for anybody to win there and few teams obviously do to go up against a Kansas City Chiefs team that currently leads the AFC West, obviously the Super Bowl champions, and they are getting some reinforcements back at the perfect time to play the Chargers for this game. So I want to dive into this. Ryan, uh, I always enjoy your perspective on this. I know you mainly cover the Rams, but when it comes into outsiders' perspective, uh, Dan always likes asking me this question on what side of the ball I want to start on, either offense or the defensive side. Which one do you want to start on? And let's relate this to the Chargers. Chargers offense, Chargers defense. Uh, let's start. Let's start defense. If that, if that works for you, I feel like I have a more thoughts on offense. We can end that way. So let's start with defense. Well, let's see. Okay, as it relates to the defense. There was a there was so much that Dan and I went into this on Tuesday show as it relates to soft coverages, third down conversions, penalties that still need to be cleaned up. For the most part, when you look at the defensive line, I would say that over the past few weeks, that's been one of the brightest shining parts of this defense. Chargers defensive line was able to keep Tony Pollard in check in terms of the run game goes. They were able to get to Dak Prescott. Those things you can obviously build off of. Beyond that, which you know is where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to roam and attack, and especially with gaining a little bit of wide receiver help now with McCall Hardman returning to the team, they're still looking to get better offensively yet they're still providing a winning record and they're not even playing at their very best right now. And you just look at how the Chargers came off of that game in Dallas and you're thinking to yourself, how can this team possibly right the ship? And defensively, as we all know, while both of these teams play each other extremely competitive, Mahomes is essentially winning this matchup in 
a landslide historically. And this is what he will do. This is what Andy Reid will scheme up. This is where Travis Kelsey will find a way to get free. So with, especially I think it is in coverage, Ryan, mm-hmm. I didn't understand some of the the, the defensive coverages uh, earlier this week in Dallas where they're playing five to seven yards off the ball, just giving all of those guys free range to roam, which truly you will not if I would highly advise against that, <laughs> if you're going up against the Chiefs, if you give them that much free space to quote unquote improvise as they like to do a lot, they're going to see a lot of green ahead of them. And you do not want that to happen, or this could be a very, very long afternoon. Um, anything that you take away just from looking at the optics of it, Ryan, 30,000 foot view, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, you said it best there. And I think that the big key when you look at this, Chiefs offense against this Charger defense is, you know, everyone likes to drop their jaw at Pat Mahomes and his arm talent, and rightfully so. But if you watch the Chiefs offense over the last really two seasons, it's much more of a take what the defense gives you offense. I mean, I don't want to call it dink and dunk. I feel like that's can be disrespectful in a way, but it's really just fighting the soft zones. I mean, they talk about it at nauseum on the on the broadcast last time about Travis Kelsey, how good he is at just basically having an option route every time, and he just finds that zone and Mahomes gets enough time from the offensive line that he's able to find him and they just move the ball methodically down the field. And then if the defense cheats up or bites, then that's when they can hit you with that big play. So, you know, you mentioned it with them playing soft coverages and these different zone uh, schemes that the Cowboys were able to exploit, especially on that last drive. And if they do that again in this week, which typically they do play the Chiefs well, for whatever reason, they're the one team that, that the Chargers actually really get up and play well against. But it's going to be a long day at the office for that. And, you know, the other thing I'll add, and schematically there's a lot of issues and stuff that needs to be fixed so you know i agree with you there but and i don't know how much you and dan talked about this on the last show but one big thing for me specifically on defense is the star players need to play like star players especially when you're going up against the kansas city chiefs who have owned this division for almost a decade now if your best defensive player right now is second round pick tuli tui Pelotu, that's a problem and he right now is the best defensive player and you have derwin james you have joey bosa Cleo Mack has actually played really well, so I want to give him his roses. He's played well. But you have all these other guys that have not lived up to not only the hype, not only the paycheck, but just lived up to what they've been able to do in past years. And if you have Joey Bosa playing like we've seen Joey Bosa, and you have Derwin James playing like we've seen Derwin James, who everyone, every Charger fan wants to say is the best safety in football, that Cowboys game might be a different thing, schematically be damned. So that's what I want to see as these star guys step up because you can't have your second round rookie being your best defensive player. You're not going to win any football games. Agreed on that. And I'm glad you highlighted that Ryan, because one of the biggest problems for the chargers last year was getting after the quarterback as it stands right now, the chargers are actually, I think tied for third or fourth in sacks. Buffalo's in that category. Philly's in that category. Uh, Miami's in that category as well. So they're up there in Mm -hmm. the sack categories. They're able to generate pressure. They're actually one of the few teams that actually has two players. I think it's in the top 15 on that defensive line in terms of sacks goes, and that's mm-hmm. Khalil Mack and Morgan Fox. So you're getting production out of those guys. It's just in coverage where you're allowing these third and 11s, these third and 19s, these explosive plays, these crippling penalties that you get on third down that helps extend drives that just absolutely kills this team when it comes to the final score. And they just need to clean that up. And you would have thought after... What you saw in Miami, what you saw in Tennessee, what you saw in Minnesota, that by now we would get to this point where 
we'd be tightening up the screws a little bit more. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen it. Uh, if there's if there's any time to get right, <laughs> it would be when you're going up against the Super Bowl champions. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to, right? It's it's trial by fire, I guess, at this point. And um, you know, we'll see what this this secondary looks. Sometimes games like the Cowboys game can be good for a team, good for an organization. You know, they already had two losses. I don't think they needed like a wake up call per se. This was a two and two football team, not a four and zero football team. But the manner in which they lost, and hopefully that will be that kind of shift in play design and execution. I mean, a lot of it is execution too. I mean, there's just, there's a lot and we don't need to keep harping on the Cowboys game. because you guys did that great, you know, a few days ago, but I think looking now at what they're going to go up against and, you know, you mentioned it, Kansas city getting McCole Harbin back, of course, right before this week. But the real thing for this matchup is Travis Kelsey. And if they can somehow hone in, whether that's doubling, whether that's you know, I called, I don't want to say I called him out, but, you know, asking Derwin James to be Derwin James, that's saying, hey, your entire role is just shadowing Travis Kelsey. Because if you play soft zone, you know, as I already said, it's not going to be, it's not going to go well because Kelsey's just going to exploit every zone because it's, it's what they do. That's literally their offensive design is just to exploit soft zones. So they're going to have to play man on him. If they do too high over the top, then, you know, we'll see how that looks. But it's, it's definitely something, Jake, that we will be, monitoring and if it uh if it looks the same as it did last week uh the result will look the same as well yeah just for an update on that as it relates to injuries defensively for the chargers uh joey bosa once again in the limited but i'm not really concerned about his playing time considering what he put in last week alohi gilman was elevated did not practice on wednesday ended up turning in a limited practice on thursday so at least trending in the right direction and mm -hmm. especially with the injury that suffered to raheem lane they need as much safety help as they can get right now uh jalen hawkins who had a very weird 24 hours yeah. gets, gets signed by the chargers off of waivers. And then the reports come out that he's carted off in like the first 20 minutes of practice. Nobody knows what happens. And there has been opinions that been thrown around that it's between a, a knee and an illness. Some have thrown out heat exhaustion. We don't really actually know what mm -hmm. happened with, with Jalen Hawkins out there on the field yesterday. Uh, Derwin James with an ankle was limited, but I don't see any issues with him there. Same with Sebastian Joseph day. Um, and, some guys making it back to the lineup, one being in particular, Tito Ogbenigba, uh, mm. getting getting the 21-day uh, window finally open for him, turning the limited practice yesterday. Um, don't expect to see him out there on the field, but more likely for him next week. So with that, let's flip it on over to the Chargers offense. Chargers offense that has seen, specifically in the Dallas game, Justin Herbert turn in unfortunately one of his worst performances since mm -hmm. he has been in the NFL, a three week window, essentially that the chargers offensive line that was supposed to be a stalwart unit for this group has given up more pressures every single week. And it's not trending in the right direction when you're going up against, I, this is really the weird part of saying this, Ryan, the Kansas city chiefs defense. <laughs> yeah is what's actually showing better as a group than the Kansas City Chiefs offense, which is They're wild. carrying the team. They're carrying the team right now. <laughs> and now you have Chris Jones, obviously being Chris Jones. Great timing that they get a guy like Charles Amenehue coming back. <laughs> Nick Bolton and former Charger Drew Tranquil are playing very, very well as a unit. Legerius Sneed and um, 
uh, Trent McDuffie are very, very physical corners. And that is how the Chiefs have been winning in the secondary for much of the season thus far. So I think the biggest question here is, and it's, it's been on the minds of a lot of people since Mike Williams went down, is how do the Chargers fill that void? And Ryan, you and I have said this. Dan and I have talked about it. You can't just do that with one player. You mm-hmm. just can't. It's going to have to be a committee that is going to have to make up that gap. Gerald Everett, Joshua Palmer, Darius Davis. At some point, Quinton Johnston is going to have to get involved in this offense. Now, as people have highlighted this week, he has been mainly just been running deep routes as a decoy. For some reason, whether it's a trust aspect with Justin Herbert or it's just not being drawn up for him, where he succeeded as a yak ride receiver at TCU, I don't see those plays being implemented for Quentin Johnston thus far. That Mm -hmm. needs to change. His development needs to accelerate and rapidly. The Chargers have to find another weapon to threaten defenses. It cannot just be Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer because Keenan Allen is now going to get several double teams for the remainder of the season with Mike Williams out. Joshua Palmer, while I love what he has done just in a step-up role, he's not really going to be a guy that you're going to say, okay, that's going to be the player that's going to change the game. It, it needs to be other guys that are going to step up in this. And as Kellen Moore said, actually, to Trenton Green, it was the week of the Raiders game where he said, what's the biggest difference between this offense that you're drawing up and last year's offense where he had said, we're going to use the entirety of the field. We're going to spread it out. We're going to get more guys involved. And you just haven't seen too much of that being shown thus far. And from Kellen Moore, and we all thought that this was going to be Kellen Moore's revenge game on Monday, it Outside of the first drive, it definitely did not look like that. Uh, Justin Herbert was rattled. That offensive line turned in one of its worst performances of the year thus far. He was constantly under pressure. The Chargers had no running game on top of it. The Chargers are going to have to figure out some way to move the ball against a, maybe in a very, however you want to say it, underrated defense, maybe, but very talented defense that that is playing very well that has gotten the Chiefs to where they are right now. I would actually, if I was the Chargers defensively, I would take a page out of Kansas City's playbook because their cornerbacks play physical. They play up to the line of scrimmage. They bump their guys off their routes. They screw up the timing with the quarterback. That's how they're going to attack. And especially when you have a guy like Chris Jones, you know that that interior pressure is going to be coming. And ever since the Chargers have lost uh, Corey Lindsley for his four-week time span due to his unfortunate heart condition, the offensive line has definitely shown cracks. And that's... Mm -hmm. Not going to get you a W if you cannot figure out a way to lock that down and protect your quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think what's what's disappointing, Jake, is you know the the as disappointing as the defense has been, it was all it was always going to be a jump. Anyone realistically thinking for them to go from what they were last year to all of a sudden being a top five, top ten unit, like we we hope to see improvement, and we haven't seen that, and so that's disappointing. But the offense was expected. The only thing holding this offense back was Joe Lombardi. That's what everyone thought all all offseason long. You get Kellen Moore. You see week one, which was a loss, but the offense was much more explosive. The running game was great. And it seems like almost every single week, the offense has regressed in a way. And it's like, is that play calling? Is that scheme? Is that Justin Herbert regressing? Is that just execution? Like, There's so many different ways you can point to it. 
And I think it's a little of all of it. Like most in life, there's never one thing. There's usually a myriad of reasons why things occur the way they do. But you, yeah, you just look at last week and, and even the prior weeks, right? Like we talk a lot on, on all of our different shows, trends that you watch with teams and how, if you see a bad trend one week, you see it again the next week, it's going to rear its ugly head again and again and again until you kick that trend. And we've seen now since the Minnesota game, how Justin Herbert in this offense has been so reliant on Keenan Allen and it worked in that game and it worked in the, the Raiders game, but you knew at some point it was going to rear its ugly head because you're going to have to get other guys involved. And that's what we saw last week is it's the inability to get other guys involved. Now we talked about this literally yesterday on our Ram show is Matthew Stafford has this, this kind of obviously a great connection with Cooper cup, but he has at times where he hones in on Cooper cup too much without getting other guys involved. And so we were talking like, is that a Matthew Stafford problem or is that a play design problem? Because if you're, if your number one progression is Cooper cup and he's always open, why would you go off your number one progression? So I wonder if the play design by Kellen Moore is, you know, Kel, uh, um, uh, Keenan Allen's typically going to be your number one option, rightfully so. But I'm curious if that's almost becoming a detriment because not only is he not always open, but then Herbert's not going through his other progressions, getting other guys involved. I don't know. We're not in the film room. We're not in the the game script and plan, but that's definitely something. Is it QB? Is it play design? What goes on there? But until we start seeing other guys get more involved, it's this offense is not going to grow and blossom. And you mentioned Quentin Johnson. I know that's been a, a huge talk all week. I mean, all season really, but th- yeah, the way they're using him is very, very interesting is a nice word, I think. But, uh, you know, a guy, as you mentioned, was a yak guy at TCU and they're just basically have him do go routes and, and, and get guys out of, to clear the way for other receivers and whatnot. So there's not a lot of creativity we've seen, which is what we expected out of Kellen Moore. There's not a lot of commitment to the run game, which is what we expected. And so when you go up against this chief's defense that, you know, has been playing well above what people expected and is actually their, their better unit of this team. Mahomes is having a very subpar year. Mahomes has worse numbers than Russell Wilson as, as crazy that is to say right now, he has Russell Wilson has played better in terms of statistically than Patrick Mahomes. Obviously the wins would tell you differently, but a lot of that has to do with the chiefs defense and how they use their opportunities and execute when they need those opportunities. So this chargers team can absolutely keep up with this chief's offense. That's not an issue, but it's, are they going to execute? Are they going to do everything we expected this offense to do? But until they've proven that Jake, it's hard to have any true uh, conviction that it's going to happen. And, and so my hope is that they do that. And the last point I'll say and toss it back to you is what made Kellen Moore so fun or what made him so dynamic with the Cowboys too, was how he utilized the tight end position. And I feel like we haven't fully seen that in effect, we've seen it at times. I mean, Donald Parham, what, three catches, three touchdowns in the red zone, something like that. And so there's moments where you see it can, but there hasn't been those true situational football plays that has the tight end involved when necessary. It's kind of like, oh, third down. All right, we're going to Keenan Allen. It's like, okay, well, maybe we use Keenan Allen as a decoy this week and we get Gerald Everett, QJ, and others more involved. So we'll see, though. That's one of the things that I've been talking about even for like the last year, right? I always would, I, would say very frequently that Justin Herbert would get a little bit too keen and Allen happy. And I understand fully how mm-hmm. reliable he is. We've seen plenty of times this year where it's been, there's another guy that's open and he's not looking his direction. 
And whether that's due to pressure, whether that's just the better look, even if the play is positive, you're still Mm -hmm. seeing guys getting open down the field. I think one of the more telling things that you just said is where is the offensive scheme from Keenan or from Kellen Moore that we've seen at times. I think that the best of it was in the Minnesota game. Mm -hmm. But when you go out and going against a defense that Kellen Moore was very, very familiar with in Dallas and going up against one of the more conservative offenses in the league. And you can't outduel that. That's a huge concern. And now you're going up against one of the better offensive minds in NFL history in Andy Reid. So the game planning and scheming for four quarters for individual players is going to have to be at its very best if you're going to expect you beat this team. Yeah. And real quick, uh, for those listening over on radio on, on 1090, thank you all for hanging out with us. If you want to hear the rest of this episode, head over to LAFBnetwork.com or the Charters Unleashed YouTube channel. So everyone have a great weekend. Um, yeah, Jake, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Uh, it's the concerns that we didn't think we'd have when Kellen Moore came to town, it was like, okay. There was so much excitement, rightfully so. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like the hire now, like we're not having revisionist history, but it's just, why are we not seeing kind of what, not only what we'd expect to see, but what, you know, I, I don't want to act like we're smarter than these coaches. Cause I never think I am, but why are we not seeing what we should be seeing when you have these weapons at your disposal? When you have this, this different types of, you know, players that can do different things when you say you draft a player for a specific reason and then you're using them completely opposite. Why is that? I mean, what's going on? So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the last thing I'll, I'll, uh, say on that before you is, you know, the offensive line, I know you brought it up. I don't know what's going on with the offensive line. Obviously losing Corey Lindsley is huge. I mean, that's, I don't think it's uh, stated enough how important he is to this unit, but they're, I mean, the last few games, it's almost like they're a bottom bottom tier unit, and it just should not be the case with the talent on this offensive line with how this team and franchise has committed to building up this as a strength, which they did not use in years past, and you're still getting bottom tier production. So I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's if it's coaching, if it's execution, if it's play design. I mean, that kind of seems the, th- the theme for this uh, this episode, Jake, is I don't know why. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what's that? Uh, what's the movie? What the hell is going on over here? Like, it's one of those situations <laughs> yes. and I don't know what it is. Well, Rashawn Slater, we recently found out is playing with an ankle injury as it stands right now. I think with Corey Lindsley gone, I thought having him in between the likes of Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer was just a good veteran staple between the two of them. I think the interior pressure now is coming through a lot more with him gone. Obviously, as it relates to the tight end blocking category, which we have covered on this show for several months now, going back to the NFL draft, Chargers didn't address that. And it's the same four guys that were with this team last year. And I'm not knocking in terms of receiver. I'm knocking in terms of blocking. Out of, out of those four, Donald Parham is your best blocking tight end. Outside of that, the Chargers do not have much as it relates to blocking. So picking up an extra rusher off the edge, obviously the Chargers didn't really, when they did do it, it didn't work very well to pick up the rusher last week against Dallas uh, or this past game against Dallas. and. Truth be told, they haven't been doing it well since Corey Lindsley was gone. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is not something that's new. It's not something that should shock everybody, but the results are showing mightily 
how bad the Chargers are from when it comes to blocking tight ends. And then, Ryan, there were even times, again, in the Dallas game where, you know, by this point in time, Justin Herbert had been pressured plenty. So your thing is like, okay, well, how am I going to adapt to that? And for Austin Eckler, as much as we want to laud him for what he's able to do as a running back, as a wide receiver, the other thing that we had noticed while he was out for those that three-game stretch was his ability as a pass-blocking running back mm-hmm. was missed. And there were several series in between the first and fourth quarter where you wouldn't see Austin Eckler out there. I'm not sure if that was them trying to manage his workload or whatever it was, but the rush was coming. And when you have the likes of Isaiah Spiller and Joshua Kelly, who already had been seen three weeks prior, as far as they're not up to the caliber of pass blocking as Austin Eckler is, that's just another guy to possibly throw a body in front of to protect your quarterback. I didn't understand that either. So if anything, for Kellen Moore, I would hope that this is a wake-up call for him. This is a wake-up call for Brandon Staley as as far as to say, how do we do what we said we were going to do and utilize the entirety of the field and get everyone involved? Darius Davis getting two snaps in the Dallas game, I'm flummoxed by that. I I don't understand that one at all. (laughs) Don't understand that one at all. You have to be getting these guys more involved. If what your goal was, as you touched on this, Ryan, to draft speed and Mm -hmm. add that to this wide receiver room, then find the best ways to use it. Yep. I mean, that's what, uh, that's your only job as a coach, right? Is do that. I mean, yeah, there's game playing it up, but it's also putting your players in the best position and and utilizing their skill set. So, um, yeah, couldn't have said it any better. I, I think if you're down to kind of in this, you, I don't know if you guys ever do. Do you guys ever do like kind of key matchups or or certain oh, things sure. you're kind of looking for in this? Dan, Dan loves throwing the bold predictions and especially the game predictions, which I absolutely hate. Uh, this one well, will actually do be that then. No, 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 because this one will actually be pretty easy to, to pick. So I don't, I really don't have to rack my brain and mm-hmm. go against the, the advice from my cardiologist on this one. So this, this will be fine. But yeah, key matchups. What are you looking at offensively, defensively? Uh, what would be the big story for you? For me to start, uh, and, and this is a simple, maybe this is a, an obvious one, but after the game Herbert had last week, like I want to just see a good old fashioned quarterback duel. Well, Justin Herbert just puts the cape on. I know it's unfair that he always has to do that. And that's always a big conversation, but I want to see that. Like, I just want to see Herbert go out there and ball out and we, we can take away coaching, take away inefficiencies at other stuff, take away scheme and play design and just go watch our quarterback go out there and just throw the ball around the, the yard and have a good time. Because if he is a top five quarterback, which I think we both believe, and if he is worthy of this contract and if he is, you know, the franchise guy, not just for this, for this team, but also kind of the face of the league, then after a performance like that last week, we want to see him go out and just say, okay, I am here to stay because now you have people questioning, right? Which I think is silly after one bad week He's like, oh, is, is he really that good? Or is he more of a propped up by his team? Is there all these excuses? Like, I know we don't think that, but now just go out and prove it, go out and, and ball out. And, you know, last weekend, it's funny for this network was a, Outside of Matthew Stafford was a very bad weekend for LA quarterbacks because you had Dante Moore, another tough freshman performance with UCLA that they lost. You had Caleb Williams who had his worst game of his entire collegiate career. And then Herbert, what I can remember, probably one of his worst games that I've seen in quite some time. So it's kind of the revenge tour this weekend for all those guys. And I hope Herbert, that's my biggest matchup. I mean, we can talk about plenty more, but to me, it's Herbert, go ball out, 
let's see, 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, clean game, no interceptions. If he does that, then this team always has a chance to win. He's going to have to. And like you said, Ryan, it's it sucks from the standpoint of having to put the Superman cape on all the time because quarterbacks are going to have bad games. Patrick Mahomes has had bad games in his career and somebody else has stepped up and they end up securing a W. It's happened to Tom Brady. It's happened to all the greats in history. It always has happened like that. With Justin Herbert, especially now with a non-existent running game, until they prove otherwise, they essentially haven't proven that since week one that they have a running game. Yeah, this is going to fall on Justin Herbert's shoulders once again. The best chance that you have at winning at this team right now is Justin Herbert. It's not on the defensive side of the ball. It's not with the running game. It's with Justin Herbert, and it probably always will be. I, th- I think it's more of the the scheme that I would like to see drawn up. And you have to tighten the screws as it relates to pass protection. And it it is unfortunate from the standpoint of this window that Corey Lindsley has missed because Dallas and Kansas City, as far as their front seven that they put out there, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. It's really nasty that they and they're able to generate pressure by just rushing four and dropping seven into coverage every time. And it's extremely hard for an offense to move when you have an opposing defense that can do that consistently. So yeah, for Justin Herbert, this is obviously his game. Um, I love listening to people talk as far as to say that, Oh, you know, let's, let's, let's make everybody else worse just to make Justin Herbert look better. You know, people who say that are the only people who (laughs) love the sound of their own voice. I, I always, (laughs) I, 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 I say that a lot. Uh, but Jake, it started cut in, but it's just insane. And this is, this is just the state of fans in the media, but it's like all of a sudden Caleb Williams is not the best quarterback in college anymore. Some people don't even have him in the top five anymore after one bad week. And all of a sudden Justin Herbert can't play quarterback in the NFL anymore. It's like, what are we doing here? Maybe a little bit more with the personal intangibles for Caleb Williams that people aren't believing that anymore. <laughs> that's, that's another story for another yeah. day. But it, it is funny how, I mean, this is the beauty part of the NFL. It's like the overreaction of week one. It's like, oh yes, this team's all the way up here. And then week two and three comes like, no, 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 no. They're, they're not there anymore. They were never mm-hmm. there. You know, they all hoodwinked us, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. But this is going to be one of those games where Justin Herbert just has to come back. I think that he's, he, that he himself, Keenan Allen touched about on this, on how bad he felt for missing those two deep shots when Keenan Allen had beaten his guy with a double move downfield. Yeah. He, he, we don't knock if, if we're going to knock Justin Herbert on anything. There's one thing we can't knock him for, and that's his work ethic, that's his dedication, as far as how much he takes on his shoulders. This is not some other quarterback that is placing blame on anybody else for him not performing well. He takes it every single time. So yep. he knows how important this game is. Divisional games always are, and especially going up against the Chiefs team, where he knows that the Chargers have been on the wrong side of that record in recent history. He knows how important this is, especially after a Monday night performance like that. So yeah, it's gonna be on him. I'm more I'm actually interested to see how, believe it or not, <laughs> is the Chargers pass rush going to continue to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes? Because if there is one thing offensively for them that hand in hand has not been looking good, the offensive line outside of one or two players on that offensive line have not been the best, whether it comes to pressures, penalties, whatever. I think that's where the Chargers defensively can take advantage of. Outside of that, I think you're going to have, you cannot go into this game again playing soft coverage because Patrick Mahomes, just like Tom Brady, will change their game 
to negate any type of pass rush. So it'd be one, two seconds gone. And if you're playing soft coverage and just allowing guys to come over the middle on short routes, Patrick Mahomes is going to dink and dunk you to death. So you have to change up your defensive strategy, have to play more physical with the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs have been searching for that next wide receiver guy. So far, the best one out of that crop outside of McCole Hardman returning has been rookie Rashid Rice. He's been the one that's actually been turning in the production consistently. So the Sky Moors of the world, the Kadarius Tonys of the world, obviously with Rashid Rice, uh, Montez Valdez-Scantling, they are still deep at wide receiver. They just haven't obviously shown that. But if there's any defense that can make the <laughs> make the average look great, unfortunately, the Chargers defense can. So you're going to have to change that up, especially with your DBs, to be more physical with these guys, knock off the timing, and obviously the pass rush is going to be able to have to get home to mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes and disrupt that offense at times. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know Do you know how many times Mahomes has been sacked this year? I actually have not. He is the 32nd ranked QB. He's only been sacked six times so there far. Gardner there Minshew is a backup, and he's been sacked more than Patrick That's Mahomes. Wild. That's so wild. hugely important that this defensive front can get home. And the big thing that you have to do against this team is you have to be able to get home rushing four because once you start blitzing, that's when they pick you apart. He's going to get you with the eye candy and, and get you pre-snap knowing where he's going to go. That's what makes him so great in this league. So you got to get home with four. So I love these packages we've seen with Fox, Thule, Mac, and Bosa, and it's going to have to be that all game long. The other thing that he does this to the Chargers, but he does this to every team is when you do get that pass rush, if you're not gap sound and you don't contain the edge, he'll just escape and run for a first down with his little, he looks like he's running two miles an hour, but it obviously he's faster than that and somehow just trots to a first down and, and runs out of bounds. So what they do with Kenneth Murray or Eric Hendricks as like a QB spy to kind of keep him from leaking out is going to be very important because there's nothing more soul crushing than when you have a third and 11, you get a nice pass rush home and, and Mahomes evades it and just scampers for 12 yards to extend the drive. So I want to see getting home with four. I would love to see a great, you know, this is Thule's first matchup against the Chiefs. Let's see a two sack game from Thule Thule Pelota. That would be amazing. Um, whether it's Kendricks or Murray, are they going to be that QB spy keeping contained so Mahomes can't run for first downs? And then to your point, got to see man coverage. And is it going to be Derwin James on Travis Kelsey? Because yes, you mentioned it, McCall Harmon, there's other receivers. None of them scare me like Kelsey. And so you can't play zone against Kelsey. Is it going to be Derwin on him? Is it going to be Jossier Taylor on him? What's it going to be? That's going to slow him down. You're not going to totally stop him, but can you slow him down somewhat to the tune of six catches for 80 yards? That to me is a good game. If you can do that, if you can keep him under hundred, you you've kind of done your job in the secondary, at least when it comes to Kelsey. So I threw a lot there, but pass rush home with four, containing a QB spy with one of the backers and who's going to be on Kelsey to slow him down. We could only hope <laughs> if we could only hope. Uh, yes. All right, let's go bold predictions here, Ryan off the top of your head. What do bold you see? Prediction. What's, what's a really outside of the box situation that could possibly happen. I know you tease Thule there with two sacks. I actually see it as a more realistic option, believe it or not, when you look at everything. But what would yeah. be a bold prediction for you on this one? All right. 
I've lost a lot of money on this guy using our our good friends over at Underdog Fantasy and you know p- pickums with players. And I every week I'm like, all right, Quentin Johnson, this is your week to really seize the day. And you know, last week's over under was three receptions. I was like, all right, that's an easy over. He's going to have more than that. Goose egg. So I'm going to do it again. And this is why I'm not a good not a good uh in the sports fantasy and betting department because I I you know that the definition of insanity is you know doing the same thing expecting different results but at some point we got to have that qj breakout game and what better time to do it against the division rival chiefs when you got to have it when this team has to have it so i'm going full prediction quentin johnston six receptions 95 yards and a touchdown (laughs) you heard it here first (laughs) wow not only was that you swung for the fence that's like next knockout bold prediction there all right. Wow. Not I'll only put my money where my mouth is. So not only have the most happen. receptions, but have a touchdown in the same game. That is something. Well, I mean, hey, if the Chargers are looking to find a different way to win, I would say listen to you, Ryan. <laughs> in <laughs> terms go. of getting Quinn in. Johnson more involved. Give me the headset. Uh, God, what would be a bold prediction for me here? Can't get much bolder than that, but you can. No, that that one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Uh, I think Justin <laughs> Herbert returns. I think Justin Herbert returns. He's had two games now where he has just not looked like the Justin Herbert that we have seen plenty of times. Like the Minnesota game, fantastic. That was a yeah. Justin Herbert game. You need to get back to that in some form or fashion. So Herbert goes over 300 yards. I say he puts up three touchdowns in this game. Nice. <sighs> yeah. Love in it. a win? Probably not, which leads me to, <laughs> to my game <laughs> predictions. Um, everything that you have seen and everything that we have talked about on this podcast, you just say, what is it that the Chargers have done to prove that they can contend with teams like this or to prove that they can be consistent? Now, the Chargers, every now and again, several seasons now, will come out of nowhere in a game where everybody just put them dead to rights. And somehow they will miraculously shock everybody and pull out a win. And then, of course, later on, they'll go play a team like Chicago and they'll figure out a way to fumble that game, something <laughs> like that. That's that's kind of the trend that the Chargers do every now and again. Uh, but going to Kansas City, is never, ever an easy situation for any team, let alone the Chargers. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, who have essentially been dominated by the Chiefs, essentially over the last 10 years for interdivisional games, it does not matter if this is a bigger game for the Chargers as it relates to where the record currently stands right now or their playoff implications, because it is. But regardless of that, especially if Taylor Swift's at the game, uh, I don't yeah. see the Chargers walking away with the victory on this one. I just think it's it's too hard of a task. I think with especially now with the Chiefs getting certain guys back via trade, via coming back from suspension, they're one of the more healthier teams in the league. And the Chargers still have not figured out how to replace Mike Williams yet. And the cracks have shown in that offensive line. Um, I still will say that the Chargers will keep this competitive because when they play the Chiefs, they seemingly always find a way to do so. But I will say the Chiefs will take this win 27 to 24. Another close game. So 
Um, all right, I'll try to put my my Dan Wolkenstein hat as a as a beacon of optimism here. You know, <laughs> on Tuesday he was not. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> non the opposite, the non Tuesday Dan. Um, you know, everyone jokes, and it sometimes feels very real that you know the NFL has a script, and the Kansas City Chiefs are the benefactor of that script, as we've seen many times with you know the no false start penalties, the the non holding penalties. Some people there would was, say they wrote the damn script. <laughs> I think they did. I mean, they're, they're definitely the director, apparently. So um, there's that going on, and then you look at the scheduling. Chiefs play Thursday night last week. Chargers play Monday night. Chiefs have an extra long week, almost like a mini bye week. Chargers have a short week. I mean, I don't know who decided that on the scheduling to make that happen. But all that being said, for whatever reason, this team, as you alluded to, when the chips are against them, when it doesn't make any sense for them to win, they somehow come out and pull out a W. So I'm going to go with on the back of Quentin Johnston's 695 one line. The Los Angeles Chargers go into Kansas City, into Gala Field at Arrowhead, and shock the world. Over under Taylor Swift, two and a half. We're going to see less of her on Sunday. They contain Travis Kelsey. It's still going to be a, a close game. They get two interceptions off Patrick Mahomes, two sacks from Tuli Pui Pelotu, and they win this game 31 offensive explosion to 28. Three point victory but a win nonetheless. You know, I would love to be more optimistic on this show. <laughs> I know that this is kind of what makes the dynamic between Dan and I work so well, but I have said plenty of times on this show. I love being wrong. And Ryan, I hope you're right. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but yes, we'll see. Well, that's going to be fun. It should be fun. It's going to be an entertaining Sunday game. The cardiologist will definitely have to be called on this one, no doubt about it. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Chargers Unleashed, Jake Hefner and Ryan Dyroot here from the LAFB Network. Uh, thank you guys so much. You can obviously follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hit that like and subscribe button. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you guys next time on Chargers Unleashed. Chargers Unleashed.